Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Yo, you got me there? Yo, yo, I got you. I got you, brother Brian, (laughs) on the airwaves, coming Uh, at you. Yeah, good. MC Brian, ready (laughs) to go. Well, welcome to Banter. It's a pleasure to sit across the table from uh, Brian today. Thank you for your sermon yesterday, mate. It was really a pleasure to hear more about your trip to the Solomons. Uh, Thanks, Murray. It's good to be sitting on this other side of the table and looking at your smiling face as well. Always a joy. Always a joy. I really love the way that you used your experience, um, not just in your most recent trip to the Solomons, but really the adventure, the journey, Mm. the mission that you've been working on over so many years in Mm. the Solomons. I think that um, I would love to ask you first. I, I think I already know a lot of this answer, but I think some people who are listening may have not heard it before. What is it for you that really lights your fire um, with salt, with your ministry and mission in the Solomon Islands? What is it that for you personally really excites you and you feel fulfills part of your character as a man of God? Hmm. It's a good question. I suppose what might have lit my fire in the early days Mm. um, and what lights it now Mm. might be a little bit different. It's been 23 years, you know. And in the early days, it was just the opportunity to go yeah. and to see what doors God would open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to be praying. Um, it was interesting, you know, We it was in the response, as I said in that message yesterday, a response mm. to um, a request from the mayor of Honiara. Mm. They're in the middle of a civil war. Mm. Um, and uh, it was, can we provide something for our kids? And mm. so it was to... And while we took a, a year to respond, um, because we were still trying to see where we would connect over there, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> when that opportunity came, I remember getting on the plane and just saying, Lord, you know, we're, we're going with this message, which is um, about physical exercise of, is of some value. Sure. But, you know, godliness yeah. um, provides value for this life and for the life to come. Yeah. And so we went with that message and then coming back, um, the the verse of scripture that was on my heart was that one from um, 1 Timothy chapter 6 that talks about command those mm-hmm. who are rich in this present age not to put their trust in wealth mm. um, but right, to put their trust in God and in mm. other words it was and to be willing and generous to share mm. and so it was almost it was a call to come back um, to us as a church that has so much materially sure. compared with what I had just witnessed in the Solomon Islands. Yeah. And to be willing to share, not just to share the message of God mm. in word, um, but to share, um, you know, physically, relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. Yeah. Um, and so that's what was driving me. Um, the first one was an opportunity to go on an adventure and then um, to, and then it was a, a call from God really to say, Okay, here's a call to do something Mm. um, which is vastly um, deeper than that. Mm. And that is, um, and so what lights my fire now is just seeing the doors that God continues to open. Yeah. Um, You know, it's, it's, um, we don't have to push too hard. It's almost like God just opens another door of opportunity. Yeah. And so now, even with a Clean Water for Life program, yeah. 
of something new mm. um, that, it, that has come up. But, you know, how can we possibly go and work in a community yeah. that has no clean water yeah. and no sanitation? And tell them about the river of life. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. You know, the, the gospel is good news. Yeah. And, um, and, yeah, that's what we're called to be, um, to bring good news, not just in word, but in deed and in sign as well, mm. as we just pray over that community mm. and pray that the Spirit of God would move in power. So I get excited by that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, I love as you share um, the way that you speak about um, both the organic way that yeah. the ministry over in the Solomons emerged, <laughs> but also your willingness to be flexible and to respond to what was going on. I think that was a large part of that second point that you're going. We might jump around a bit just yeah, so, sure. you know, sure. let's be organic with this conversation. Yes, be flexible. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm praising you for being flexible and then it'd be silly to not be flexible with the conversation. So this idea of understanding context, mm. um, I want to maybe partly for humor's sake, but partly also for a very practical way. Um, in a hypothetical world, if you 23 years ago had been very rigid in mm. what, you know, the sort of the mission, the, vigi- the vision, the way that this had um, really articulated itself in being involved with the Solomons. Mm. What, um, in a parallel universe, you not being flexible, you um, projecting your own, mm. maybe not agenda, but your own visions and opinions over it, what could have that looked like? You used that example, obviously, on Sunday of the, um, the wheel. I'm going to absolutely butcher it now. Maybe you could remind me of... Um, the name of it, the wheel that they installed in oh, um, plate, yeah, the yeah. plate, the plate, play pump, pump. the yes, plate pump. Yeah. I thought that was a really powerful mm. analogy mm. of mm. a bunch of very well-meaning people, mm. sort of not mm. really listening to the needs and mm. you know the yeah, I suppose the needs of that community mm. and how that community mm. was sort of functioning. Mm. What could have that looked like in your context if you'd been very rigid? in those beginning sort of, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, and, it's, and it's a good question um, because I think what would have happened is I would have gone in, um, had that been the case, with, as you say, a very rigid way of doing things, almost imposing on that community what I believed was the best way forward. Mm. And, um, and the community over in the Solomons would have been so well-mannered that they would have allowed me to go on and to make an absolute fool of myself and of our team, and we wouldn't have got the traction. And and what I realised um, was that uh, Solomon Island people are, are lovely people. Uh, most of them don't like confrontation. Mm. Um, so that they will allow a, um, a Western person to go and do what they want to do. Sure. And um, and they'll be kind of nodding in agreement, but inside they'll be going, no, no, this is not going to work. But mm. because they don't like confrontation, sure, they won't let that be known. Mm. And um, and I realised that um, we'd come a long way when um, after two years, mm-hmm. a member of um, our team over there, mm. one of our Solomon Islanders over there, said, um, Brian, that won't work. Mm. And I said. What did you say? Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he thought he was going to be in trouble. He said, "Brian, that's not going to work." Mm. And I said, "Thank you, mm. thank you, yeah, thank you for being honest and letting me know." And he was he was totally confounded by this. Sure, you know. And I said, "Now I know that mm. when something is suggested mm. and you think in your context it's not going to work, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, you're going to be you're going to be honest about that. Yeah. And you are going to tell me, and it saves us all mm. a lot of work. Yeah. And it saves us um, the humiliation mm. of pushing on with something yeah. that is futile. Yes. And so um, I realised then that it was um, a good thing just to run everything by our team on the ground. But basically, for us, it's a partnership. Yeah. And the partnership has predominantly been led by those in the Solomons as yeah. we've listened and responded to needs yeah. and walked alongside as best we can. Yeah. They're the ones that know their culture a lot better than yeah, than, sure. than we do. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned yesterday, I've been to the Solomons probably about fifty times and I think it's exactly fifty times last visit. There you go. And yet um, I still battle with elements of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many different aspects of it. So in terms of dealing in that situation, it's largely got to be driven by them um, in many ways. Mm. And I think you use the analogy for most people of, you know, that really people we're connecting with are our neighbours. Yes. Um, And I love the way that you... I mean, I think if I kind of had to um, summarise your sermon in one word it would mm. really be relationships right. it'd be about yeah. how to love your neighbor <laughs> yeah and also how to for people who are already in the kingdom invest in them and help see them grow and flourish into everything that you know god wants for them um and i think all of that is underpinned by relationships mm. um i, I want to come back to understanding in context in a second but i think as we're talking about this idea of loving your neighbor mm. um ultimately mm. this relational aspect is is what underpins it um you kind of gave some barriers or obstacles that can get in the way of making good connections Mm. um and three that you gave with fear Mm. time or lack of passion Mm. um i'd love to hear you sort of unpack maybe one or all three of those Mm. um for someone listening who might Mm. say hey actually i recognize that it might be fear or it Mm. might be time or it might be lack Mm. of passion stopping me from loving my neighbor from investing Mm. more deeply Mm. in those relationships Mm. what would sort of be your approach at maybe overcoming some of those areas Mm. let's start with um the first one uh fear I, i would think that fear when I say talk about fear as as being a, an obstacle, uh, fear about if I get involved in this in this relationship deeper, I'm going to have to be vulnerable. I'm mm. going to have to be a little bit more transparent about sure. my struggles in yeah. life. Yeah. Um, because if I am going to be a friend, if I'm going mm. to be able to journey through this situation, yeah. in a way that is helping meet the needs of you know my my neighbour. Yeah. Um, I need to be revealing things that are deeper about myself. Yeah. And so is there a, a fear about doing that? Is there yeah. a fear about that that intimacy and that closeness that might be developing? After all, I'm a you know, I'm a fairly independent, you know, um, Westerner. Yeah. I like to keep my my feelings to myself yeah. and, you know, all these different aspects yeah. of it. How can you overcome that? I think just recognise that we're all human. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best connection we can have with another person is to reveal more about ourselves, yeah, and to take the risk mm. overcoming our fear by mm. being, you know, what you're saying is what I'm saying is, yeah, if we're fearful, just overcome your fear. What I mean by that is just trust that God is going to 
to lead you through a situation whereby revealing more of your vulnerability in that situation. Yeah. I think that's you know, um, so so for me, for example, I can, you know, I can relate. Um, I think I'm fairly closely with people that are having a battle with mental illness, particularly sure. those that might be battling with someone in their family with that, because yeah. there's been, you know, I've I've had my dad um, passed away now ten yeah. years ago, but battled with bipolar for the last, you know, forty eight years of his life from yeah. the time he was about forty. Sure. And and I found that um, that situation a very hard situation for me. Um, growing up, I loved my dad, um, you know, so much. We were very very close. Mm. But um, that situation and and realizing that moods could change from deep depression to one that was almost a manic phase of of you know I can take on the world and living in an environment like that I found very difficult and and I found that when I've shared with people like that um, I've had to reveal more about my own vulnerability in a situation like that Mm -hmm. and yet I found that there can be deep connection with someone that's going through um, a situation like that where they realize that they're not they're not Mm -hmm. alone Mm -hmm. Um, time I think the one about time um, is just that we often want to be very possessive about our own time Mm -hmm. Um, we live, um, I live um, in a world that is crazily busy. Mm. And so, you know, there's no other way to, uh, and I, I don't need to say any more about time. I think um, if we were to say to the average Aussie, how do you feel? They'll say, I'm tired yeah. and I'm um, I'm rushed yeah. and I feel like I've run out of time. Yeah. How do you overcome that? Um, again, I've got no answers for that mm. except to say, I think it's tied up with a lack of passion. Mm. Um, I think time and lack of passion go together. And and so let me deal with the one about lack of yeah, passion. Sure. I think the one about lack of passion for me is, do I really believe that God wants me to impact mm. my neighbour's life? Mm. You know, Is God's call to me really mm. to be a good neighbour? Well, mm. of course it is. I mm. know it is. Yeah. Well, if that is the case, why... Aren't I as passionate about standing with my friend as I'm sitting in front of the TV and watching the Tigers lose Mm. next week's game? I mean, that's a futile exercise. I mean, it's been a long journey for a a West Tigers supporter. Yeah. Um, You know, so I'm worried about that more than I am sitting in front of there and doing this so called relaxing, Mm. which drives me up the wall watching them lose another game. Why don't I ring up and invest in someone else's life? Mm. Yeah. You know, why don't I get beside someone? Mm. Because, you know, I think if there is a passion to be walking beside someone, mm-hmm. the time will be found. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll mm-hmm. order our priorities in a different way. Mm. I think so much I know of my my struggle can some you know, can come so much of it can come around to a lack of passion to really work, walk with someone the way I should. Mm. You know? mm. So, so um, I think I think those two go together. Mm. Thank you for your vulnerability there. I think that's mm. something that a lot of people can really connect with. Mm. Um, and I think that yeah, what you say around the fear aspect. Um, it's some very wise advice that I got from another pastor. He was talking about leading a bunch of young adults 
in a Bible study. Yes. And he was getting more and more frustrated from right. week to week yes. that they weren't being vulnerable yes. and open. Right. You yes. know, especially for, you know, a lot of, you know, young, you know, men and women mm. who were mm. in their twenties and had been mm. walking with Jesus for a long time. He was kind of starting to pull his hair out a bit. Why aren't yep. you being more vulnerable? Yeah. And he sort of realized, you know, as many times when we point one finger at someone else's three pointing back at us. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, I haven't really been very vulnerable myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. I was expecting them to be the ones to step out yep. and really, you know, fear making themselves look like the fool or the, yep, you know, yep. sinful, flawed person. Yep. Um, and in reality, he realized he had to model that first himself. Yes. And I think yep. if we are going to want to create relationships with our neighbors, yes. uh, vulnerability and transparency, yep. uh, really, we need to set the tone and yes, set that standard right. first. Yep. Um, and I think that for me, that is a great encouragement that, well, if I really want to go deep with this person, if yes. I really want them to open up about their lives, mm. I've got to set that culture first in each relationship that I want that in. Right. Um, for me, that's a really helpful encouragement yeah. that I think so often we can put the pressure on ourselves as Christians that we need to be Jesus yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and we need to be Christ-like. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that there's equally great strength in being like, hey, you know, I'm yeah. walking on this journey as well. Yes, and I, right. I slip up. I, I need Jesus, you know, yeah. and showing that need for me personally is hopefully going to highlight how that person also needs Christ in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think around that idea of lack of passion as well. Mm. I think that's a, that's a real a real struggle for a lot of people feeling mm. so... And I think it does that time and lack of passion. They're yeah. so interconnected. Yeah, because in many ways, um, you know, our busyness... Yeah. Can sap us of energy, yeah. So much energy um, that can, um, you know, sap us of even feeling the emotion for what God has done for mm. us, rejoicing in who God is. Yeah. You know, um, I know the times when I've, when I'm um, a little bit more relaxed in terms of time, mm. um, when I'm into the, my different aspects of Bible study when yeah. I'm actually rejoicing mm. in, in who God is mm. and, um, and in God's call on my life and um, I find the time. Mm. There is something about that those two that go together because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm thinking, well, it's not right for me to enjoy all this. Mm-hmm. You know, why am I, why am I so privileged mm. to walk with Jesus, mm. to be able to talk with Jesus mm any time every day to feel his spirit guiding me and leading me yeah it's not right that i should be doing that mm-hmm. and others still don't have a relationship with the lord yeah you know and so that passion then has me thinking about well i've got to go and spend mm. time with this friend you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah so again i think those two are as we've said, so yeah. interrelated yeah and i think we can be so intentional in our working yeah. And we can be so unintentional in our resting. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and this that's idea right. that ultimately, you know, we see time and time again, Jesus withdrew to quiet places. Jesus yeah, himself, right. you know, had those quiet times. Um, but I can't help but think as the perfect human, <laughs> yes. he was probably a lot more intentional about his resting than we can often that's be. Right. That's right. Um, and I know, you know, it's not a new idea that we've explored on banter, but 
even in those resting times, hey, how am I actually refreshing, replenishing, rejuvenating myself? Um, Because it is so easy to be in inverted commas resting when really we're doing something that saps us even more. Um, I want to talk more uh, kind of transitioning from that vulnerability into understanding context. Mm. Um, You spoke about, you know, what is our friend's context in whatever Mm. sphere Mm. we might find ourselves in. Uh, Again, you brought up some hypotheticals, grief and loss, relationship breakdown, financial hardship, loneliness, Mm. depression, Mm. sense of hopelessness. Mm. I think first and foremost, cultivating a, you know, a relationship of vulnerability. They're not going to share about those things. Um, But then when we're in that space, I Mm. think we can sometimes take for granted and I I'm not tooting our horns here, but Mm. we can as pastors be in those vulnerable spaces a lot more than some people. Um, What are some tactics? What are some ways that you are able to be with someone in that place of vulnerability effectively and in a way that they feel heard and in a way that you can journey with them to move forward, hopefully towards Christ? Mm. How do you, Mm. how do you do that? Well, Mm. Well, there are some times when I, I realise I do it well and there are other times when I, I realise that I don't do it so well. And thank you for the vulnerability, Brian. Uh, yeah, good. Um, for me, it, it it's first and foremost listening. Yeah. And, and it's just, well, it's being present. Mm. And, and one of the things that our present people training mm. um, was talking about and even our incident response training was, you know, being present, mm. uh, listening, mm. Um, and then basically affirming how people feel, rather than dismissing. There's there's um, there was a, a time I think when um, we viewed Christians as needing to be people that had all the right answers yeah. and in all situations could just rejoice. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and and I think. There's an element of being able to rejoice in the midst of pain, don't get me wrong, and, and know that God is overall. Yeah. But we don't do any favours unless we listen with people. Um, we allow them to grieve, mm-hmm. to express their hurt, um, and to take time to allow God to do his work of healing in their life. Mm. Because... Um, I think that the danger is that we can sit with someone and almost think, I've got to have the words to say here. Yeah. And it's my words that are going to help them. Well, there'll be words of encouragement, yes. But I think when I'm there, I'm praying that God would bring his healing, yeah. that the Spirit of God would do his work yeah. in those situations um, for a variety of reasons. Number one, because God does that best. Mm-hmm. And because secondly, it reminds me that all I am is a presence. Mm-hmm. I'm not the healer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not the healer in that situation. Yeah, I can't be a healer. Yeah, all I can do is be there, inviting God to be there, praying with someone. Yeah, and asking that the Spirit of God would do His work in their lives. Mm. And so, um, I think it, it first and foremost comes down to listening. Mm-hmm and an affirmation of someone's pain, whatever that happens to be, because those situations I was I was referring to are all those those hard situations of life, aren't they? You know, Definitely. they're you know, if it's grief and loss, um, loneliness, it's a hard situation for people that recognise that um, it might not be because they've lost a loved one. It could just be because 
they don't have a life partner. Mm. It could be um, because they uh, friendships have broken down or yeah. they haven't established good, deep friendships with anyone. Yeah, There's a variety of those hard situations where people just need to be able to, to talk and um, to be understood. Yeah, it's massive. Mm. I um, think that, yeah, just, just being present and listening. Mm. And I think that mm. that pressure that I've felt so often to have the the perfect answer, answer. the perfect Bible verse, the perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really putting that pressure on us to be that river of life rather than simply a pipe <laughs> that right. the river's flowing through. Yeah, that's you know. right. That's right. Um, and yeah, I mean, not only is that going to be a, a bigger blessing to that person mm-hmm. and pointing them in the right direction takes a lot of pressure off us. It does. Um, it does. To not have that, yeah. I suppose, yeah. yeah, need to have all the answers. That's right. Um, and just to keep pointing people to, um, you know, to Jesus. And um, like, you know, you and I were on a phone call uh, not long ago mm. um, when, you know, that verse was spoken about, you know, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee mm. or on you because he trusts in you. And mm. that whole aspect of, for me, um, f- it's just, you know, again, the opportunity to speak into someone's life and to say, God will bring peace into this situation. You might not feel it at the moment, mm. but God will bring peace into this situation as mm. you trust in him. Yeah. You know? And it's trying to, um, um, but they're not the, you know, I don't, I don't load myself up with a lot of these expectations. Mm. It's just really pointing people to Jesus is going to yeah. be the one who brings peace. Mm. Yeah. I um, was given a beautiful analogy from one of my mentors that he sees pastoring as sitting with someone in the ashes. Yes. And yeah. in that moment, yeah. when there's a, a flicker yes. somewhere on the horizon, yeah. pointing and going, oh, maybe that's God. Yes. It takes yeah. a lot of pressure off us. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. And I think it's yeah, probably that's good. the, that's the right great, way to do great it. great analogy. You, um, the last sort of thing that you really uh, focused on was investing and keep on investing mm. in others. Mm. Uh, that ultimately, you know, our time on this mortal coil is finite yes. and our need to not only be um, growing ourselves, which yeah. I think is important, yes. um, but investing in that next generation, seeing that kingdom continue on. Um, there was a lot of sort of big ideas that came into it, but I think one thing that we sort of... Um, um, saw you you highlighting was we keep up raising workers and we keep losing them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. know that that uh, for me personally mm-hmm. uh, has been at times almost a, a frustrating yes, occurrence yes, that yes, you yeah. can invest so much in someone yes. uh, and in a you know varied number of ways they can move on and it's yeah, not always yeah. necessarily the type of fruit that we were hoping (laughs) to see. Um, What would sort of be your wider lens view on Mm. that? Mm. Because it can be very discouraging. Yes, that's right. Um, You know, because oftentimes, you know, we we say that you're there to do yourself out of a job. (laughs) In other words, I'm going to raise someone up so they can take my place and do what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, I suppose for us in the Solomons, you know, we've been raising up these these leaders. And uh, as I mentioned yesterday, um, you know, we've lost four or five of them. Mm. Um, 
uh, five good, good, strong leaders um, to the um, you know Pacific um, Partner Exchange, Employment Exchange. Call it Palm. What does that stand for? Pacific Australia Labor Program. Palm them off to Australia. Yeah, palm them <laughs> off to Australia, where you know they're now in different parts of Australia, as I mentioned, and able to earn good money and mm-hmm. to return that into their families. But I think um, when we talk about I'm going to do myself out of a job, <clears throat> it becomes very um, self-serving mm. um, and, and all based around a particular ministry, or in, in our case, salt. Mm. Whereas really what our aim is, is to raise up leaders. It was all started because, mm. um, you know, back in 2013, one, um, seven of our, our former Kurukuru players, mm-hmm. I sat with them. And, um, and one of them, um, Francis, um, was bold enough um, to say, as he said in church uh, two, weeks, um, two weeks ago, when he wasn't selected in the national side, he thought, he thought his life was finished. He thought his life was finished. Now, at that stage, uh, Francis, that would have been 2012, and so Francis would have been the grand age, old age of about 22, 23. And he thought his life was finished because he hadn't been chosen in the national side again. And I said to him, Francis, you know, and all the boys around there, your life's not finished. Mm. You've had amazing experiences. So, so what we were looking at doing was giving these boys a pathway, mm. now young men, a pathway to grow, mm. um, to recognise that God has gifted them mm. with some unique gifts, unique talents, to find that. So we did shape course with them mm-hmm. um, and we spoke about um, how they could find their part um, to serve God, mm. you know, going forward. Mm recognizing that what we were doing through SALT was providing a vehicle for them to explore that, Mm. to grow them up. Yeah, if they could serve with SALT, that would be absolutely fantastic. But that was never going to be their harness because we couldn't possibly keep expanding our ministry to that extent, growing up all the leaders we were growing. So it was always kingdom-minded. It was always growing up to serve somewhere else. Yeah. At one stage, we thought we would be involved in different countries where the mm. boys could go and mm. start to roll out futsal and community development. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we've been so focused on, on the Solomons and yeah, there's yeah. plenty of work to do there. So, yes, I think in terms of raising up and losing leaders, uh, look, I just, I'm, I'm very grateful that these fellows are, are actually moving on. Um, I suppose some of the, the boys, four of the boys that have moved out um, are earning money and sending that back yeah. um, into the Solomons for their family. Sure. So um, some of them are distant. Well, they're not the ones that I know are not engaged in a church over here yeah. um, because they're isolated. Um, you know, one's working in an abattoir or yeah. two are in an abattoir. Um, you know, um, up in Queensland, and then another couple are um, out um, far out west from from Brisbane, and then uh, another one's down in the Riverina. Um, another one is playing professional football down in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. So they're all gainfully employed, but they're really not investing in any program as such. Um, but we have given them the ability to to grow and mm. to explore where God wants to take them. Mm. And um, when they come back to the Solomons, we'll seek to, to use them. But what we're really wanting to do is simply to grow leaders to serve God wherever God might take them. Mm. 
I think um, you've kind of already answered the the next and final question a bit, but mm. I'd love to hear any kind of final thoughts mm. on it, which is how do we raise up leaders? I think that often the thought of whether it's in a very formal setting mm. of, hey, mm. like mm. this is a, a very concrete ministry that I'm already involved mm. in that I'd love mm. to you know, train you and raise you up in, mm. or whether it's in a more informal discipleship, just growing somebody to, you know, growing their faith really. Mm. Um, mm. And everything in between. Mm. Um, what are some thoughts that you found from your experience yeah. Um, yeah. is effective? And maybe what are some of the traps and pitfalls that yeah, we can sure. fall into yeah. when wanting to raise up leaders for the kingdom? Yeah. I suppose there are kind of two um, two parts to that. The first one would be a very structured approach. Um, mm. For example, the SALT model um, would be a fairly structured approach where um, you know players come through, even current players, where we go off and we give them a pathway to get themselves accredited as coaches mm-hmm. and then to be involved in our academy mm-hmm. where we actually do um, pay them um, a salary mm-hmm. Um, to to go out into the schools and to be part of a schools program, sure. um, to do the academy on a Saturday morning, to be engaged in running the league on different afternoons um, that the league is uh, is operating, and so there is a, a pathway through that where they can actually have that get formal accreditation as coaches, um, to be involved in the practical outworking of that, coming together um, for Bible study. Um, which Pastor Cyril or Pastor Michael lead, um, where they are just encouraged to keep on journeying with God to find what God is, where God's going to lead them, and growing in their understanding of the Scriptures. Then there's another, so that's a fairly structured approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, I suppose, when we come back, for example, here, um, back to Jural to think about growing leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my days, um, you know, going over to the Solomons, um, you know, um, will be, um, I don't know how quickly they'll come to an end, but, you know, I won't be able to do this forever and a day. And so looking, um, you know, looking at, at ways of having, raising up other leaders, mm. even from here, that could pick that up. Our work in the Kimberley, mm. um, the same. Mm. Um, you know, we've had different leaders that have come and then moved on. Mm. But what does that mean for for people feeling God's call Mm. to be engaged in Mm. that? People who have a mission heart Mm -hmm. um, and people that are willing to step out and and to take risks and Mm. to say, Lord, you know, is this a door you're opening for me? Mm. Um, Yeah, confirm that. Uh, So so that would be a more, um, I suppose, organic way Mm -hmm. of saying, okay, this is an individual who's sensing a a call to grow and then we as a leadership team here Murray would be saying okay well who is God raising up for that mm. type of ministry mm. um, as, as we look over the members of our of our church mm. and of our congregation mm. um, and try to um, have them step into a role like that mm. massive mm. I um, yeah think that ultimately time and time again your heart for relationship is really mm. what continues to come through there. Mm. And I think that, yeah, the um, reality of, as Jesus sort of modeled with his disciples walking mm. alongside people, it's not 
necessarily most of the time going to happen overnight no it's a journey and it's something that you know is a real credit to you brian for your Mm. you know faithfulness and your perseverance through i'm sure what have been some very highs and some very you know challenging Mm. lows at times in walking in that ministry for yeah over two decades yeah that's a testament to your faithfulness and your character it's been a great, um, it's been a great um, joy. Most of it, as you say, there have been some uh, amazing highs, and uh, yeah, there's been hard situations. People have moved on and out of ministry at different times. Yeah, um, but God keeps raising up good, faithful partners for us. And Pastor Sarah was a gem um, to be able to work um, uh, alongside and to lead our ministry over there. Um, Jamie over in the Kimberleys um, in terms of what's happening over in the Indigenous space. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, some some good fellas mm. that have been raised up. Yeah. Love that. It's so great. Mm. Well, we are uh, now at the end of our summer break, not summer, winter break series, I should say. I was yeah. just wishful thinking that it was summer. <laughs> Unfortunately, the thermostat says otherwise. Like no, <laughs> we are, yeah, going back into our Jeremiah series this Sunday. So I'll be, uh, yeah, sharing on the broken pot. Good on you. So, you know, hopefully yeah. it'll be smashing. <laughs> okay, know? I'm sure it will be smashing. Look cool. forward to so it. So do we come in with our plates, do we, and pots yeah, and yeah. just have yeah. a Greek a Greek entry. Hey, let's have a bit of a, you know, percussion choral ensemble. <laughs> we can, you know, be like a Gideon smashing our pots together. Yeah, good. Sounds <laughs> great. Fun. Yeah, good. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.